I feel like the only appropriate intro for this show would be for like one of us to talk and one of us to sing over the other one talking. Right? <laughs> like, but <laughs> I don't know how we would pull that off. <laughs> no, we would have to play that one. Welcome to Offbeat Tracks, uh, episode 106. Yes. My name's Max. Hello. I'm Danielle. And today we are talking about, uh, is this our first abbreviated or like a apostrophed artist rather? Uh, Terrence Trent Diarbe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Look at how fast you pulled that, too. <laughs> it's just like, I know wow. we have somebody. I don't know. Yeah. So today we're talking about <laughs> Tapau. Yes. This is easily the most fun artist name to say that we've done. Yeah, show, I did I not know it was actually named after something. I just thought it was like some <laughs> weird noises that... I remember on uh, one of those um, stupid VH1 shows where they were like, oh, remember One Hit Wonders? Like someone, I remember, it was probably some hacky, stupid journalist like Joe Levy. I could go on for hours about how much I can't friggin' stand Joe Levy. He's the <laughs> you worst. You have on here before. <laughs> yes, I know. So I'm not going to go on a Joe Levy rant, but it was probably him who said this. And if it was, I'll give him credit for being funny. But someone pointed out that like T'Pau sounded like, like in the old Batman series, like when he would punch someone, it would be like, spliff! Bam! Tapow! Yeah, like. yeah. That's kind of what I always thought it was. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, okay, that noise. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, we'll get to the origin of their name in a minute because I have a funny quote about it. But Tapow was formed in Shropshire. Shropshire. I've been Shropshire. waiting to say that. I figured. <laughs> Shropshire. They are from Shropshire, England, formed in 1986. <laughs> the year of our lord. 1986. <laughs> uh, a lineup of the band, quick lineup of the band. You had Carol Decker, who was the vocalist, and Ronnie Rogers on the rhythm guitar. They were the core of Tapau. Ronnie Rogers is a great country music name, by the way. God, it really <laughs> is. I'm like, he's Ronnie Rogers. Um, so Carol, what well, the deal was, Carol was a student at the Shrewsbury School of Art. Of course. Uh, this was around 1979, and a friend heard her singing along to the radio and said, hey, dude, you need to be in a band. And she said, really? Okay. And she said, here, come talk to my friend. And so her friend was this dude who had a band called The Lasers that had all the pieces except for a singer. They needed a singer. Huh. So Carol joined up with this group called The Lasers, and Ronnie Rogers was their guitarist. So that was how they met. Different guitarist than the friend introduced her to. Mm. It was like the other guy in the band. I don't know. Um, so then, um, many years later, uh, Ronnie and... Uh, Carol have written uh, all these songs together and end up getting a record deal. And uh, they form a proper band with some other, as she puts it, locals uh, there in Shropshire, I guess. So they added Tim Burgess on drums. They added Michael Chetwood on the keyboards. They added Paul Jackson on bass and Dean Howard on lead guitar. It's like Howard and Dean, but it's Dean Howard. Dean Howard. <laughs> I saw that name earlier and it didn't click to me that it's Howard Dean backwards until you just said it. No. Um, so yeah, they, they, they had management and ended up landing a record deal uh, with this formation. Um, and uh, I thought this was kind of cool. Carol said that her influences, her early influences were opera, disco, Ella Fitzgerald, and Michael Jackson. And I think that, too. That, <laughs> that's a pretty good way to describe her sound, though, don't yeah, you think? It explains that's a, a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice um, blend of who Carol Decker is as a singer, I think. Yep. Um, so the deal is they had this deal, um, this record deal, rather, um, and this whole band. So they, they literally wrote and recorded an entire album but didn't have a name yet. So as Carol puts it, this is a direct quote from her. She says, we couldn't agree on a name. We had the album in the can and a release date, but no name. I was watching TV and Star Trek was on. I liked this sound to pow to pow. Plus, she was a cool Vulcan bird. <laughs> the boys liked it, too. So that was that. And yeah, there you go. No idea. It was a Star Trek reference. No yeah, idea. Mr. Spock's grandmother. 
It's a Vulcan elder. A Vulcan elder. So Boy. that's that's who Tapao is. <laughs> Man. Uh, so this clearly worked out for for uh, the the lady and lads of Tapao. Uh, they had a big old hit in June of 1987. Their first single, their very first single. Uh, was a number one hit in Canada, a number four hit in the U.S., and a number four hit in the U.K. Yeah. And that was, of course, um, Heart and Soul. Yeah. And I'm just going to say at, at the beginning here, I don't really like Tapao all that much. Weird thing. I don't hate him, but I don't really like it. But this is Tapao perfect. This is what Tapao should be all the time. Yes. It's it's very Tapao. It's not like it sounds different from the rest of it. It's just what they were doing perfectly executed to me. Yeah, okay. That's Does fair. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, yeah. I'll agree with that. So that's what this is. It's very busy. I think I like Tapao a little bit more than you do, but yes. I, I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, the way I mean it is it's a very busy song. If you've been when you listen to it, you're like, where the fuck is this? Like, this it is, is busy, but it, of, but it works. Yeah. And then this, as it goes along, it's the perfect pop music build. Right. And the it, it, there are just there are layers and layers and layers and layers. Yes. And, and it's funny. I think if you've not really paid much attention to this song, you don't realize that Carol literally has a verse where she talks through the whole song. Mm-hmm. It's through all the chorus, all the pre-chorus, all the verses, Carol has uh, talks. But then when she gets to the, starts getting to the pre-chorus, or even to the second half of the verses each time, she starts singing over top of herself. It's still Carol's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you st- your brain starts focusing more on that, and you kind of don't realize that she's still just like reading the, these lyrics, or this lyrical poetry almost, under the whole song. Yeah. And um, she even notes that, like, it's difficult to perform the song live because of that, because it's all her. So she kind of just, she's, the way she puts it, she sort of just doesn't do the talking parts in the pre-chorus yeah. and the chorus. And she says, no one seems to notice. And I'm like, they probably don't, because they, they probably, probably never noticed it's there on the original track. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just like a perfect build. And it just, at the beginning, when you, if you're thinking, like, this is so busy, I don't know why all of these things are happening. It doesn't quite work. By the time you get to the whole part, that's like, somehow I lost my... Right. It all melds, and then you've got, like, the big crescendo at the end, and I think it's perfect, and it's... I don't know. I just love this song. It's a really um, good song. She said that this song was written because Ronnie wrote the bass line. He came up with that bass line, the really distinctive mm. bass line of the song. And then she started kind of just humming a vocal melody over it without using words. But then the first lyric she wrote was more than an ocean keeps us apart, which I think is interesting. Um, and I just love this. This almost made me cry. She said she wrote this um, about missing because she and Ronnie were dating yeah. at this point. And she said that she wrote this about going on vacation with her parents and Ronnie couldn't come with them, and she missed him. Aww. So that's what the song is about. It's Isn't so that sweet? It's simple and cute. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's very sweet. So um, this song was not a hit at first in the UK, mm-hmm. worth noting. Um, it did really well in the US. It was not a hit in the UK at first. Um, but then it got put in a Pepe Jeans commercial. <laughs> and, then, Pepe jeans. and then became a hit, much like Nick Kamen helped uh, just from being in a commercial. <laughs> yeah, I wrote, wasn't an ad for Pepe Jeans, parentheses, British trousers. That's right. That's what I wrote, British trousers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I did find a performance of her. I, I want to say it was probably Top of the Pops. Mm-hmm. And they were interviewing Tapao afterwards. And, and uh, the lady kind of notes, well, this wasn't really a big hit here first, but you, you guys had a big hit in America with this song. And she said, <laughs> Carol said, well, yeah, America is the home of rap. And this was my feeble attempt at it. It is a feeble attempt, but it is. Uh, but it's odd because, like, I don't. I never really rappy. thought about this as rap, but I guess it kind of. I mean, it kind of is. I don't know yeah. what else you would call what she's doing. I would. I mean, I would kind of call it more beat, beat poetry, I guess. But I. I don't know. There's a, there's a there's a blurry line there between mm-hmm. rap and beat poetry. So, yes. 
Um, sure. If, if we're going to call it rap, we're going to call it rap, I guess. Carol Decker. Hit rapper. Hit rapper. That's right. <laughs> um, I don't, I just like, there's nothing not to love about this song. If you yeah, love 80s music, like, or it's even, especially if you love 80s music trivia, because like this, this is like the 80s one hit wonder to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like everything, like their name is so gimmicky. Um, just love it. Also, there's through no, and through. no more fun song to sing along to. It's up Absolutely there because it's and especially to if you try like to do both parts at the same. Yes, and if you like to <laughs> scream, because Carol gets a little screamy, like she's good at it, so it doesn't come off as she's screamy, very but good. Like at you it. cannot sing this without getting really loud in the chorus. And if you like that, here you go. It's for you. So the album came out pretty soon after this, um, uh, after Heart and Soul was released. The album came out on uh, September 14th of 1987, um, and they quickly released the second single, China In Your Hand. Tapao might be the only band I know of where you can point to where they get, they get called a one-hit wonder in the UK and US, but for different songs. Because if you ask a British person, hey, do you know Tapao? They'll go, oh yeah, sure, they were one-hit wonders, but to them, the one hit was China In Your Hand. Mm-hmm. And in weird. the US, no one remembers this, because they literally never charted again in the US after Heart and Soul, ever. I can see how. Um, but they, they were very popular in England yeah. uh, for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but China In Your Hand, they, it's weird they're still seen as like this one-hit wonder for this song. Um, lot to unpack here. First of all, just some cool trivia. This was the 600th number one song ever on the UK charts. So oh. there you go. Okay. Um, this, um, the, the lyrics to this, I mean, I've, cause I've known this song like about as long as I've known to Cause when I first heard hot yeah. and soul, I wanted to hear more to This is the always the same. This is the next one you come across. Same. So how did you like when you first heard this, if you didn't know anything about looking up lyrics, whatever. So like how, when you think about, China in your hand. What do what do you just what does that mean to you? Um, what I used to think it meant um, was like this kind of like weird. I'm trying to come up with words to describe this that aren't ridiculous, but it's also because I think the song is ridiculous. So it's like I'm trying to, uh, but that's not also not what I thought it was about. Is not what it's about. I thought it was like kind of. I thought they were talking about like having the world in your hand. Like, in China's the biggest part of it. So oh my gosh, like, that's funny. I didn't even think about kind that. kind of how I always thought it. Like, it was just, instead of being like, you have the world in your hand, it's like, you gotta come up with a different thing. So that's but funny because... it's like dishes. So we're each gonna have two different interpretations, well, neither, neither of which is the correct one. So I'll tell you what I thought. I thought that... A dream, don't push too hard, yeah. your dreams are trying in your hand. I thought she was saying a dream is something that's very fragile and you have to hold it with care because... They're easily shattered, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not it either. So um, one interpretation that she offers, she says that she she came up with the idea for this song when she was cleaning a cup, a small china cup, and she felt a bump on it and she held it up to see what the bump was on the bottom. And she saw an image of a young woman's face through the cup. So she she thought that china was something that was transparent. So to her, the song China in Your Hand, China represents transparency. And I was like, okay, 
But then there's also this other part of it that becomes clearer once you look at there's a, 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 a not an entire verse, but like there's like a section of lyrics that is only in the full like 12 inch cut of this song that mm. makes it a lot clearer. So um, in the original song, the lyrics to take life on earth to the second birth and the man was in command is kind of the only like nod to this. Um, but in the full version, they add on and we could make the monster live again. Oh, hands move on and heart beat on. Now life will return in this electric storm. It's about Frankenstein. <laughs> it's about the Mary Shelley book, Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, boy. Right? So that's why yes. there's like a lot to unpack in this song. Yeah. There's just a lot going on here. Um, and I just, I don't even like... <laughs> It's just this hodgepodge of things. And I love that you and I Is totally had... Making, I think she might be making that up. No, I mean, those are the lyrics in the... the you know, that's right, it's right there. It's about Frankenstein. Mm. <laughs> so then you start to look at it in that context of, okay, yes. don't push too far your dream. But is she singing to Dr. Frankenstein? Or is she saying you'll... I guess in a way, because there's like a lot of it to be like, be careful what you wish for kind of a thing. I mean, that makes right. sense now. Because at first I was like... What are you talking about? Like, you're being like, here are your dreams. Go get them. But also, don't get them because they might suck. And I'm like, well, what is your right, point like, here? Right, like, be careful, <laughs> like, or yeah. be honest, maybe. Uh, it's like kind of There's like a lot a, to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, we I should just know. leave it at that and, and I feel on. like maybe it's just a lot of things that we are told to unpack, but really there's not anything to unpack. It might just be just words. That's what I think. A prophecy for fantasy The castle So we move on to the title track from the Bridge of Spies album. Um, you know, my only thought on this is that with just a little bit more trouble, this could have been a hair metal song. Oh, I wrote that. I was like, it's such a like hair metal power right? ballad. Okay, I'm so I'm glad with you... a very quiet guitar. Okay, good. I'm glad that you thought that too. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote. But it kind of ends up in this weird space where it's like proto Wilson Phillips almost. A little bit. I mean, her voice is actually really good for like. She's a hair an metal insane kind of singer. Thing. She's yeah. an insane singer. She's got a great voice. And even still, like, look up videos of them now. She can still just sing yeah. the hell out of all of this. Like, I actually kind of wish she, like, didn't go all out on some of the songs. I think it doesn't really fit the lyrics and everything else. Like, <laughs> there's sometimes I'm like, man, if they just reworked this where she just kind of, like, sings it sweetly, it would be so much better for me. She has a perfect voice for this kind of a thing if they just went a little harder. Um, that's about the only opinion I can have on it because it's just, other than that, it's fine. The next one was Valentine. This was a number nine hit in the UK. Um, really 
all I have to say about this one is that I love the looks in the video. I think the song's pretty forgettable, but the looks in the video are fantastic. Apparently she wrote it about an ex-boyfriend that she'd run into a lot. And, he, like, you know, they were always friendly and said hi and stuff. But he had, like, a new girlfriend. She still kind of loved him. Aww. And it made her sad. And she's like, oh, we're friends and it's nice. Aww. But, like, I still love you. And it's like. Carol's killing me with sad. these lyrics. But it's super corny. And, you know, it's whatevs. This is one of my fave pop music uh, anomalies. The uh, the live version released as the official single, which they did with this one, Sex Talk, um, which was uh, another uh, top 40 hit for them uh, back home in the UK. Um, and the second phone sex song that we've talked about on this show. Kind of. Like, t- the second and a half, because whenever we talk about a phone sex song, I always talk about the Village People's phone sex song. So right. it's like, that's like a half one we've touched on. But a yeah, half one, Another yes. phone sex song. I did not think, I'd never heard this. So I was like, <laughs> sex talk. I was like, I'm feeling this is going to be way boring, and I don't care. Like, it's not going to be what I think it is. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's not what I thought no, it was. No, it's not. Because it's like, let's talk to a stranger. Right. It's but, literally it's literally about calling a, a party sex line. Yeah. Um. But it's also, like, music-wise, the least sexy song I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> yes. Like accurate. The lyrics, yeah, I don't know. It's just nothing sexy sounding about the song. Oh, that is very accurate. <laughs> I don't know. I have to give uh, props to the lyrics. Uh, like Spider-Man, I'm climbing the walls. I was so here for that. Finally, we're up to June of 1988 now, uh, almost a year since this album's been released, um, and I Will Be With You is the final uh, single from it, and is a number 14 hit back home. Is it just me, or is this song a little psycho? Uh, it is super dramatic. It's uh, a little it's a little clingy psycho, right? Yes, like It's like, um, oh, you can break up with me, but I'll still be with you. I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait, 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 hold on. This is a great opportunity oh. for this. I'll still be with you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that really threw me. Yeah, right. I'm worried about my safety alone in this kitchen (laughs) with you. Um, Yeah, it sounds like this like really creepy, like overly dramatic, like uh, I'm going to love you forever song and like a poem that I would write when I was 16. I thought I was super profound. It is. It's very teenage. It's very, very teenage. And I thought I was like, like, you know, for example, like the the line, like I hear this melody, a tryst in Rhapsody. That's something I would have written when I was 16. And that was the smartest thing ever written that like was so clever and original. And then, you know, 20 years later, I'd find it in a notebook and roll my eyes and immediately burn the notebook. So that's what this... The whole time I was just kind of feeling like that. And I was like, girl, don't sing this. <laughs> I'm, like, burn it, I'm trying burn to look it. for the dude she's singing to. And I'm like, run. Yes. 
So interestingly, um, there was not much of a gap between that last single from Bridge of Spies and the first one from the next album, um, like literally not just a couple of months, maybe. Um, and they released Secret Garden, um, which was a number 18 hit back album. I really like this song a lot. I actually, this is one of the ones I like the most. Um, it's fine. Uh, I don't love it, but this is one I like the most out of it. Um, Carol's I, hair in the video is so, so nice. I mean, she's got this like Elaine Bennis thing where it's like the giant hair pulled into a ponytail. Oh, I'm just so here for it. I thought about that. I thought it was like, very Elaine Bennis. Got on this look. like this red overcoat with the black belt and all the sunglasses. I'm just like, girl, come on, Carmen San Diego, Carol Decker. Let's do this. Yeah. Also, um, I'm pretty sure Secret Garden is a euphemism for lady parts. Oh, um, yeah. So there you go. The second Tapau album, Rage, is released October of 1988. This was a number this four very album. Ragey. No, There's but not it's, a lot of rage on it. I have to say though, did you expect Tapau to be such a rock-oriented band when you started hearing some of these other songs? I'm assuming for the first time. No, I always thought the rock thing was kind of like every other 80s pop thing, where it was just kind of like an unnecessary guitar everywhere. Um, no, nope, they were like they Tapau was basically a rock band. Yeah, that happened to have a very synthesizer-heavy hit in the yes, U.S. Exactly. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the Tapao thesis, if you will. Um, Road to Our Dream is the second single off of, uh, Rage. And I'm so glad we're going to talk about this. It wasn't a big hit, but I still wanted to talk about it because one of my uh, favorite modern loves is Abandoned Places and specifically creeping them on, uh, Google Maps. Oh my God. I like to do that too. Weird. So the venue in this video apparently was like a, a big deal at this time in the 80s, but it's been sitting abandoned for a long time. And I looked it up and it's like literally on the shore of the ocean. It's a place, it's called Cornwall Coliseum and it's been sitting empty and you can like on Google Maps, you can literally plonk down on the street right next to this place. And it's not really near anything else. It's like outside of a town and it's just this, this club that's just sitting on a beach. It's so weird, but that's that's where this video was shot, and um, cool. yeah. So like, I guess Tapau had a, they played a concert there. I guess a lot of people were playing shows at this place back and in no the day. No one went there again. No, and it just <laughs> yeah, Tapau might have shut the place down. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can you can totally like Google Map this place and plunk down right next to it and check it out. So that's the one that's uh, in this music video for Road to Our Dream, an otherwise very forgettable song. Yes, it's very forgettable, but also like it started. I didn't fully flesh this out for this thing, but I have like a whole thing where I think that they're, um, it's like a whole life philosophy they're trying to espouse. They talk about dreams a lot and about roads and how like life is a path. And <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think about this a lot lately and I'm trying to figure out what they're trying to tell us. If it's like a, you have a distinguished path that you're supposed to go down in life and this is what happens if you choose the wrong one and this is what happens. And then <laughs> yeah. you know, if you choose this one, then you can't control it because you're going to want this and then you can't have it. I don't know. They say this a lot and I'm like, I really want to listen to these songs over and over again, even though I don't really like them very much, <laughs> but because I think that they're trying to start a religious movement. That's all. <laughs> a religious? You think Tapao was like, like trying to start full- a cult? It's like a full philosophical thing. Also, I've been watching uh, Leah Remini's Scientology thing uh, okay, um, there over it is. and over and over all weekend long because I'm super into it. So I might just be trying to find Scientology or other weird philosophies 
in things. And I think Tapao might be the thing that I'm looking at it in, but I will find it and I will argue it and it will work. Uh, one more single off of Rage, 1989's Only the Lonely, a number 28 hit in the UK. Um, the song's kind of forgettable, but the video's pretty cute. It's like uh, very, it's very 1989. Oh, yeah. It's very, very 1989. Carol's got like this leather on and she's doing her thing, man. She still sounds great. Um, and they're like in this weird like maze of uh, like a, it's, it's like a, how, how do you describe this place? It's like a concrete structure. All the rooms are kind of empty and the cameras are just flowing from one to one. It's like a big concrete maze, but also has a little bit of furniture in it. I don't know. It's how I imagine every house in England to be. <laughs> it's a concrete it's, maze <laughs> with a couple pieces of furniture. It's a very 80s video, though. Yeah. Um, also, I don't understand what she's saying in the song. I don't understand it because it is a mixed message where they're like, oh, you're you're closing yourself off to everybody. Don't do that. And then you're like, yeah, build the wall. You're going to need them. And I'm like, wait, what, what? Like, do you want me to be open with you, or do you want me to close up? Well, I think we've what established. Point? I think we've established by now that Carol, like, looking back to "I Will Be with You," may not be the most emotionally stable person <laughs> when she's writing <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> this so. was a definite phase. <laughs> yes. So we're up to May of 1991 now, kind of a gap there of a couple of years before The Promise comes out. This is Tapao's third album, um, a number 10 album, though, in the UK. They're still quite popular in the UK. Um, Whenever You Need Me, the lead single, goes to number 16 on the charts. I started listening to this, and, you know, we always have these discussions when we cover an artist who was making records in the 80s and then continued mm-hmm. making records in the 90s, and we go, how did they survive this transition? And I start listening to this and I'm like, mm, okay, this still sounds like 80s to pow. And then you get to the chorus and I was like, okay, this actually is kind of 90s. Yeah, I think it it's not um, what I was expecting because I was also paying attention to the Same. transition. I was like, this was not as bad of a transition as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be really bad. And I can't exactly justify why. I just thought it was going to be like... It's the 90s. We're going to do this. Right. Stop. <laughs> and that's either very good or very bad. There's very rare in between. And this is, I think, less busy than their 80s stuff. I think oh, it's for a, sure. I mean, it's still busy, but it's tiny bit less busy, which I think works well. Um, the lyrics still need a little bit of calming down. Like, uh, if you if you hear this song again, don't make it a requiem, which I get. But, like... Let's calm it down a little bit, Carol. I don't know. It's just too corny for me still. But it's better.
the second single from Tapao's third album, The Promise, is called Walk on Air. This did not do well in the UK, which is understandable. It's uh, it's very, very, very 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, they sounded super 90s uh, on this one. But it's, it's otherwise, it's a pretty forgettable song. Incredibly forgettable. But I will tell you, you need to look up the cover art for the single to this. All you have to do is, you know, Google image search Tapao Walk on Air. Um, look at this. I'm going to show it to Danielle right now, and we'll get her reaction live on the air. <laughs> It's just like 20 floating carols all floating in the clouds and like not even different. Like the only way this could have been better is if it was different pictures of Carol floating all through the air. Also, I love that cover art. But if I saw it, I would think it was a completely different song. It's literally right. It doesn't work. Right, right. It looks like it's going to be some new age something or whatnot, right? I don't know. But it's just it's not what this is. I know that I would not. mm -mm. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm so glad that computers became personal and everyone started having them so that they could do this. And one final single to discuss for Tapau, um, Soul Destruction. I can already hear all the things you're about to say about this, so... Okay, like, I get that, like, 1991 was a very different time, but good lord. Also, I didn't know, I was like, she talks about, like, they're her Chinese whispers, and I was like, girl, racist, but then I looked it up. That is the British word for the game telephone. They call it Chinese whispers. No kidding. I didn't know that either. And I was like, well, still oh, okay. a little racist because you're it's still super. racist. Yeah, you're still implying like, like, oh, ho, Chinese sounds funny. I thought and it like was muffled English. Yeah, no, I, I just felt like it had a worse connotation. That, that is very interesting. Yeah, Chinese whispers Chinese is actually whispers. telephone. Okay. There you go. We learned some um, British slang today. But also like <laughs> soul destruction. It's th- a very dramatic. It's very <laughs> dramatic. Tapao is very steeped in drama. Like, I don't think there's any denying that, right? Like, also, what if they're is- saying goodbye to their old stuff and their, like, soul destruction is, like, also a double for heart and soul but it- destruction? Mm. But again, I didn't think about that connection specifically. I don't but, think it's there. I just thought about it. <laughs> but again, Carol's kind of back to the to the rap talking here. Mm-hmm. Did you notice it's that? It's funkier. It does not sound like anything else Tapao did. Or no, that we talked about. It doesn't. Um, uh, that is true. It also, like... Uh, you make a ghetto for my soul is, I don't know if I would go with that as a line. Yeah, again, girl, like, let's, yeah. You got Chinese let's, let's, whispers and yeah. ghetto for, I don't let's, know about let's just, that. Let's be careful. Yep. Um, but it's a thing that happens in that song. But it is funkier, and I kind of <laughs> like that it's different. I don't really hate the song. I kind of love that it's a little different, and it sounds more modern It is, it's very, it is different. It. And it's, yeah, it's very undeniably 90s. Yes. So this was the end of Tapao proper after this album. Um, there have been two albums since then released under the Tapao name. 
Um, one of them was Carol kind of releasing essentially a solo album in 1998 called Red. Um, not and Taylor Swift. No, not Taylor Swift. Um, she does cite the uh, the long gap between the second and third albums as a big problem, she thinks, for the decline in their popularity, mm-hmm. how, it, how long it took them to put out that third album, which is funny because now people go way longer than that. Um, and doesn't seem to affect their popularity. Um, she said, quote, they wanted the Stone Roses and Rave. We didn't fit in. Um, so, I, yeah, I get that, because British music yeah. was headed in that direction. Yeah, and um, they didn't really, time. I don't know, they just didn't really fit into any of the niches. There were a lot of different ones, but they didn't fit. Um, so I want to I wanna toss this out and get your reaction to <laughs> it. Um, I read, when I was reading reviews of The Promise, like from when it came out, Um, one reviewer made a really interesting point and I want to know your opinion on this. He said, if American listeners could accept Roxette, why not to pow? And that it's, it's an interesting point, right? Because they weren't doing things that were all that different. I think Roxette was writing better radio friendly pop songs. I think it was more condensed too. Like it was busy pop music, but it's not as busy and it just feels more flowy. Does that make any sense? Right, but at the same time, it's sort of like, why Why did Roxette continue having success in America when T'Pau didn't? When essentially they weren't doing very different things. Mm. So it's just an interesting thought. I mean, it I don't, I don't know if there's a right thought. answer for that, but just uh, something to chew on. I would on. say the production and better radio-friendly songs just in general. They're very... I don't know. I, I agree. I think had more of that. The Swedes are better they, at they that. They do. They have the Swedish pop touch. I agree. And also, if Roxette I, it, wasn't as huge in America as they were in Europe still. You know, like that—that that is true. Roxette is like one of the biggest pop bands. But Tapau was ever. still quite popular in England all through this, you yes, know, through the third yes. record at this point. So, just anyway, just an interesting point. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was an interesting point, and for that guy to have that foresight back in the day when Roxette's popularity wasn't done yet either, because uh-huh. they would still have Joyride after that, and they would still have Fading Like a Flower after that. So, I think it helps also be the um, theme song of a very famous movie. Of a very popular oh, movie, pretty well, that's right. Yeah, they, so yeah. I mean, they were already launched bigger than. But again, like Tapau ever had. Tapau could have done that, right? Couldn't they, couldn't you, you couldn't have seen Tapau writing a power ballad that was a hit in a movie? No, they could have, but I also don't think they would have Missed ever opportunity. had the maybe production to, of that song. Had Tapau gotten on a movie soundtrack, maybe it would have turned their whole career around. Who knows? Mm. Um, a new album was released under the Tapau name in 2015. I do know that Ronnie was involved in this. So Carol and Ronnie, the core of Tapau, are there. So this is a true Tapau album. Um, and it sounds pretty much like you would expect it to sound, I think. Um, it, it actually doesn't sound super different than the, the 1998 album that Carol did by herself uh, under the Tapau name. But the uh, 2015 album is called Pleasure and Pain. And worth noting, perhaps more for uh, any hardcore Tapau fans, um, Virgin Records put out a Tapau anthology last year that has remasterings of all of the three classic Tapau albums, and the whole thing's on Spotify. It sounds great, so there you go. You can listen to Tapau to your heart's content. Carol, by the way, is still like if you even look up interviews from her six, seven years ago, it's kind of sad because she sort of seems to go, "Oh well, I'm I'm such and such age, and I think my my time has passed, and I'm not really interested in singing anymore." But like. Now in the last few years, like she's totally out and doing it again and killing it, and still sounds great. Yeah, I also think so. She's it helps, had a change like, of heart about that. Well, I, she's been I doing guess. like a lot of like those little eighties nostalgia festivals and stuff, and yes. I think that there's a much bigger market for that now. Yes. So I think it pro- that probably renewed her interest because people were more interested in having that in there. So she's like, hey, there is a little space for me. I think probably back then she was just trying to figure out. I don't know where I fit in this. No one really wants to hear right. this, you know. But I think now it's like there is demand for 
people of that age because and you know that's that's got to be hard though when you when you had a a big successful song or i guess in carol's case you had two big successful songs and depending on where you're playing those are the only ones that people know and or ask you to play and you're still like oh i'm an artist and i'm writing music and i want you to hear my current stuff so just kind of interesting she seems like a really cool person and um yeah and she is she is an excellent songwriter she's she's great with lyrics and and great singer Great. Um, yes, even if her lyrics are a tad psycho at times. <laughs> she so, has a moment, but who who hasn't had that moment? So that's Tapau, and I'm a little sad that we have to stop saying Tapau now because I like Ta-pow. saying I like saying Tapau. You can just keep saying it every episode. Just stick it in somewhere. Tapau. Yeah, that could be our official sign off. Tapau. Tapau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can catch up with us on our website at offbeattrackscast.com. We're also on Twitter. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. We are also on Twitter at offbeattracks. Yes, um, and you can listen to all of our old uh, episodes on our website. Um, they're all there in the uh, iTunes feed as well and uh, the Google Play Store feed. It's all there, so subscribe to us, and thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's pretty neat. We'll I'm see you next you week. Bye.